Hey guys, I'm Raf. And I'm James. On today's super special holiday episode, Halloween 2020. Sir, feel free to laugh maniacally. So I don't <laughs> that was the scariest ride I've ever been on. Now he just yells reading. out loud reading the DSM. It's really weird. I am a peanut butter addict. Aren't you allergic? I can't believe you said you are. You are insane. James, what are your plans for this Halloween? We are actually going, and I'm taking a day off of work for this. It's very exciting. We're doing an Airbnb. It's going to be seven of us total in this house that we're renting in Maryland. We're all getting COVID tests beforehand. We're all going to socially distance and everything. Still scary, but we're all going to do the right thing. And we're meeting down there, and we are going to do one of those role-play murder mystery games. Oh, that's so cool. So we all have been given our uh, roles. We're all dressing up according to our role. No one else knows who anyone else is, and you kind of role-play you know, a murder mystery like the movie Clue. It should be a lot of fun. Only the seven of us are involved. That's One of the seven thing. is kind of like the DM, if you will, the game master. So he's going to be yeah. kind of making it, making sure it runs smoothly. But uh, I'm really looking forward to it. What about you? What are you doing? I think we're going to take a hike on Halloween morning. Then we will be home manning the house and we're still in the process of concocting some sort of socially distanced yet safe candy distribution apparatus. Mm, so, okay. You know how that goes. A lot of hooks and pulleys and levers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm picturing it being very steampunk, but I have a feeling it won't be. What are you going to be dressing up as? I don't know. I still have to get a costume. Okay. Can you dig out the old uh, Game of Thrones costumes that I saw you and your wife oh, wearing yes. a couple years ago? I'm sure it's... In the closet somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So, Raph, I wanted to talk to you today about an interesting concept within the larger field of the biology of fear. And I think that it's really fascinating that that is a legitimate field of study. And if you Google it uh, and you go to PubMed, you will find a lot of different resources on that. And I came across a really interesting article by a gentleman named Ralph Adolphs, published in Current Biology in uh, 2014, so all credit goes to uh, him. But it was a fascinating article, and I wanted to kind of break something down for you. Are, you. are you ready? I am ready. So this is kind of an interesting question that the article raises, and I want to hear your thoughts on the answer before I walk you through this researcher's thoughts. So do you think that you can be in a state of fear without feeling afraid? I would say this is this is confusing. Do you, I want to so say yes. You want to say yes. So it is confusing. Well, it's a confusing I say, question. I mean, my answer, which is probably off base, would be that you can unconsciously be afraid of something without it reaching the conscious part of the mind, which makes you recognize that you're afraid. That's true. That's an interesting point. But you kind of you kind of answered the reverse. So you said that you can be afraid of something without really understanding why. But I guess yeah, that's what I said. But what the question that the article raises and I'll and I'll clarify it a little with some terms is can you be in a state of fear without being afraid? And the reason why I think that's an interesting question is because I think it gets at why humans enjoy things like scary movies, haunted houses, things like that. Because feeling afraid is obviously a horrible feeling. But we are constantly putting ourselves 
in a state of fear for our own entertainment? This is an interesting question. And just to clarify some terms. So according to Dr. Adolphs, fear exists as what he calls a central state. So central state is just kind of a, a way that we prime our minds for a certain activity. Other central states might include a central state of learning. So you're ready to learn. You've prepared yourself. Attention. You are ready to pay attention. You're primed to pay attention. And so he describes fear as one of those states. You're almost ready to become afraid. And So I I have my popcorn. I've got my soda. Yeah. And the movie's coming on. You're ready to go. And then within the central state, there's a fear scenario. And that might be dangerousness. That might be inescapability. And he says that the difference between the state and actually being afraid is your reaction to the stimulus. So your behavior and your emotions in reaction to the stimuli that you're ready for when you're in the state of being afraid. And I think that's kind of a fascinating thing to talk about. And I think on a certain level, it kind of hits on something that we've talked about on this show in the past, which is actually CBT. Right? right. The That's whole the whole thing with cognitive behavioral therapy is that you are able to intervene between your thoughts, behaviors, and emotions. And just because you have a certain thought doesn't mean that you have to have a certain emotion. And just because you have a certain emotion doesn't mean that you have to have a certain behavior. And I right. think that's what this article is is getting at. You can be in a state where you're ready to experience fear. And I think part of the fun comes almost from challenging yourself and saying, I know that something's going to pop out. I know that I'm going to see something gory. Will I be afraid or will I be able to kind of, you know, steal myself and, and not be? And I think that's kind of the central question here. The article well, goes the on, answer? in the true sense of a true psychological paper, I don't think he answers the question. Oh, of course. <laughs> I think he talks about it at length, and I think he brings up a lot of great scenarios, but I don't think he answers it clearly. What he essentially goes on to explain is how when you are in the central state of fear, you can be pulled in one of many directions. You can be pulled in the direction of being hyperattentive to potentially dangerous events. You can be pulled into the direction of habituating to those events. You can be pulled into the direction of being afraid of something because it's something you've actually been afraid of previously. And it's almost like you're reliving a trauma. So there's all these various things that can happen. In a way, I feel like by describing those scenarios, his answer to the question is yes. Because if you remain in that central state of fear, but you avoid being pulled into any one of these directions, then yes, you are kind of enjoying the fact that you might be scared, but you are not inherently immediately afraid of anything. But he he doesn't really break it down like that. He goes on to say that being afraid is a what he calls a cognitive synthesis. It's a synthesis or an accumulation of all of these various things we've, we've discussed. It's an accumulation of the state of being ready to be afraid, and then the actual stimulus, which might be dangerousness, closeness, and your reaction to it, being too vigilant, being having memories that are fearful to you. And so this is all kind of an amalgam, and it's greater than the sum of its parts. But I think that when you think about it, you realize why people might enjoy things like horror movies and haunted houses and the like. Awesome. I also engaged on a quest to try to answer that question, which is why we enjoy being afraid. Uh-huh. 
my research, and I'll link the article that I mostly rely on, does point out a lot of factors that are involved in why we might enjoy being afraid. Got it. First, I'll point to a couple of personality factors. One thing that is associated with enjoying horror movies in particular is how much empathy somebody has. Interesting. What would you think? Which way would you think it cuts? I would think that you... This is a very interesting question. I'm not sure what the article is going to say. I would think that you have to have some empathy because if you don't have any empathy, there's no tension. But I would say that you can't have too much. If you have too much, you might just feel crippled by the situation and it might just be too stressful. But what does the article say? The upshot of it is that the less empathy one has, the more likely they are to enjoy horror movies. I think because of the latter factor you pointed out. Mm. But the former factor is also important. Because it depends on what you're enjoying the movie for, right? So, for example, what is the person trying to get out of watching the movie? Mm -hmm. So, in one small study, they basically polled a group of people to try to figure out their number one reason for attending a horror film. Mm -hmm. And they found that in men, the most common answer was for the destruction. Interesting. And in women, it was for a just resolution. Huh. Which so I, I feel think, like so rarely comes in horror movies, or not certainly not for everyone. Right. But I think that cuts to the, the first point. If, if you're somebody with empathy that's enjoying a horror film, then yeah, too much empathy and you'll just be scarred for life and won't enjoy it at all. But the fact that you have empathy will allow you to put yourself in the character's shoes and be able to root for them and then get this great sense of relief when they somehow survive or vanquish the the foe at the end. Sure. On the other hand, if you're a sociopath, <laughs> you might just, you know, enjoy the horror for what it is, in which case you're more likely to enjoy like gory, really less situational and more just kind of like disgusting, cruel horror. So many people love that stuff. Do we have that many sociopaths in our society? That's what I'm wondering. No, you definitely don't have to be a sociopath. It's not like a one-to-one or not like a a clear, like, this is the only reason. Like I said, I think that there's various aspects to why people enjoy horror. Mm-hmm. But certainly there seems to be a subset of people that are essentially really high on the level, on, on a scale of sociopathy. And they might just enjoy the cruelty of it sure, all. Sure, sure. Without, you know, without having any empathy. So... They, they could care less that the person is suffering. They just, even more so, they enjoy the person's yeah, suffering. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, I think that's really the scary part. Yeah. But that's only one factor. Another factor that's associated with to what degree someone enjoys horror films would be what's called sensation seeking, mm-hmm. which is a broader category of the term thrill seeking. Mm hmm. And also includes um, novelty seeking. So essentially, the state of fear releases, among other things, dopamine, which allows you to experience pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so the desire to feel something at all, you know, it's just another stimulus that can cause you to to really feel pleasure. Sure. Yeah. Just neurochemically speaking. And it's, you know, outside the realm of what we normally go through, thankfully, because we are no longer, you know, living in caves, scurrying from animals that are much larger than us. So yeah, it's kind of a unique experience. Which brings me to exactly the next thing I wanted to talk about, which would be the evolutionary perspective. Mm -hmm. So from an evolutionary perspective, why might we enjoy being afraid? Well, it's almost like training in a sense, I guess, right? 
you're yeah, preparing exactly. yourself, you know, God forbid you should actually be in a situation like this You're for the emotions that you might experience and how you respond to those emotions so that you know when something horrible happens, how you're going to react right. and how to save your behind. That's what I would say. We're hardwired to enjoy scary things because by being drawn to them, we learn a lesson. And if you're bored by it or not at all interested by it, then you don't see that thing, you don't learn that lesson, and then you're susceptible to that very thing happening to sure. you. But wouldn't you say that there's also a strong evolutionary pressure to run away, to like run out of the movie theater? I think so. Yeah. So how do we reconcile those two things? Well, on a pragmatic level, I mean, you paid for the uh, ticket and you paid for the overpriced popcorn. <laughs> so you want to get your money's worth even if you're... Uh, and You'd then rather I think, die than uh... Exactly. <laughs> and you're surrounded by other people who are, you know, seemingly having the same experience that you are. But what else? Another way I'd put it is, you know, it's just a movie deep down inside. So you're feeling that evolutionary pressure of learning the lesson while also knowing that you're still safe. Mm -hmm. So even though you have a strong urge and some people there are just so overwhelming that they do run out of the theater. Sure. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, ultimately, at some level that you're going to survive, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So you stick it out. And I think it also explains kind of our love-hate relationship, I would say, with scary things, mm -hmm. right? It's one of those things that, you know, it makes you uncomfortable and you hate it, but, you know, you keep going back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because there's these two conflicting, you know, evolutionary pressures that hang in the balance. And, I, you know, I have a very overactive imagination, so – and I love horror movies and stuff like that. So, Shannon, uh, my fiancé, is constantly making fun of me because I love watching this stuff, but it sticks with me. And then I'm sleeping with the lights on. Oh, and you can't sleep. Yeah. yeah. So. On that topic, what is your favorite horror film? I do want to say recently we've watched uh, HBO's Lovecraft Country and we, we greatly enjoyed that. Really? I would recommend that. It is – it definitely jumps the shark, but we enjoyed it through and through. If you like camp, I think you'll like it. But I cool. think my favorite scary movie of all time is Alien. I just recently watched it again and – um it's just so, it's so scary because you really don't see much until quite near the end. And it's that sense of foreboding. I love scary stories and movies that focus on a location. And that huge industrial spaceship, the Nostromo, is mm -hmm. one of my favorite uh, locations of all time. I think all of the best scary stories and movies that we have focus on this huge location that even the characters within it don't fully understand. And I just, I just absolutely love that film. The cinematography, the aesthetics, the whole kind of space trucker uh, vibe, which mm -hmm. didn't exist until that movie. Ridley Scott's kind of impeccable direction, as well as Sigourney Weaver's incredible acting. Just love that movie. Were you lucky enough to have the pleasure of going to Disney World when the Alien Counter ride was still alien? I was there when it was, and oh, I was too young and too scared, oh. and I missed my opportunity, and ugh, what a regret. Stitch is not quite as – that that was the scariest ride I've ever been on. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, dang. Just pitch Man. black. You can feel and hear and sense the alien breathing down your neck. It was the absolute most terrifying thing. In fairness, I definitely was too young to be in there. So <laughs> that's you, cool. You might though. be better off. Now it's Stitch's Great Escape, which is really uh, not the same. Let them. Yeah. No. So, what's your favorite so, uh, scary movie? I have to say that my favorite scary movie is 
a product of my favorite author, Stephen King, and that is... The Shining. The Shining. The amazing choice. And I'm also... I'm also really – it's my favorite episode of The Simpsons, too, The Shinning. Are you familiar with it? <laughs> I wrote you an entire paper in college about Kubrick and the scene that repeats itself in The Shining where the elevator fills with blood and then yeah. comes crashing out. What an amazing scene. Yeah. And that's one of those stories – you know how they always say the book is better? Mm -hmm. I think in this case, they're different, but they're both equally as good. I think that's one of the few circumstances where I've – felt that yeah i mean i think the the book is still in a way better because it's a more intimate kind of experience mm -hmm. but there were some changes in the film that weren't worse they were just as scary in their own way yeah um i think because it's stephen king like how human it is and well first of all it's the location like you said before yeah you know in this case, like complete isolation in the middle of the mountains in the snow where there's no escape and, you know, you can't go anywhere for months. Mm -hmm. and so that in and of itself is just terrifying. And it's a place that you don't fully understand. And right, exactly. the characters within it are succumbing to some sort of supernatural force that they don't particularly understand. Absolutely love it. And I think also the battle with alcoholism, mm -hmm. the interpersonal tension within the family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a reason Stephen King is the mastermind. Oh, yeah. The book, that was the first time that I ever, like, I think, like, yelled out loud while I was reading a book. <laughs> you know, the scene with the lady in the bathtub. Like, I was just, like, so afraid. Now he just yells reading. out loud reading the DSM. It's really weird. He'll just... That's also scary. <laughs> yeah. It's also scary and unknown to me, so. Yeah, definitely. It makes a lot of sense. Okay, so we established our favorite films. What is your favorite Halloween candy of all time? My favorite Halloween candy of all time has just got to be a huge blister pack of Reese's Cups. There's nothing better. I am a peanut butter addict and chocolate. And Aren't you allergic? No, I'm allergic to tree oh. nuts. Thank so God. So that's why. So yeah. That's the only one you can have. Yes. Well, it's a legume. <laughs> so whenever I was a kid, that was what would get me excited was a, was a Reese's peanut butter cup. What about yourself? So uh, probably if I was telling the truth, that would probably also be my answer um, with maybe Milky Way tied. But those are just like favorites of mine. But specifically to Halloween, I have to go with the old standby candy corn. I can't believe you said you are you are insane. Nobody likes do? candy corn. It's been scientifically proved. Nobody likes candy That's corn. That's absurd. Candy corn is amazing. It's just it what does it even taste? It doesn't even taste like anything. It's, it's like sugar and more sugar and honey. It's hard. What could be better? It's it's I love candy corn. Plus it's something I don't have any other time of the year, so it's very Halloweeny to me. None of my friends liked candy corn. Candy corn was always the thing that settles to the bottom of the candy bag. And after you're done with everything that you actually like, then you're left with like this this mountain of candy corn, and you end okay, up, so you know, feeding it to the dog or throwing it out back or something. I mean, more so power I mean, to you. I'm glad you like it because I'm glad someone does. I've never met you're like a unicorn. I've never met someone like <laughs> you before, but. I, I'm glad that you exist. On November 1st, I will be at your house to collect the leftover <laughs> candy corn. Sounds good. Which, by the way, the day after Halloween, candy corn's like 33 cents a bag. And it starts going like cheaper and cheaper. Wow. Uh, be careful, Raph. Exactly. <laughs> and one last question. What is the best Halloween costume that you ever wore? So I never went all out with the Halloween costumes. I, I always would dress up. It was It was never too well thought out, especially as a kid. 
It's like, oh, you go to the Halloween store. Yeah, here's a creepy mask I kind of like. Here's here's an outfit that maybe doesn't have anything to do with the mask. Put them together. Maybe get a sword or an axe or something. There you go. But as an adult, the first Halloween that Shannon and I spent together, I was Batman. She was Robin. We both wore like really tight spandex suits. <laughs> and uh, Please tell me you have a picture. There, There is evidence online. And uh, it was uh, New York City. It was freezing and it was great. It was a great time. What about you? Awesome. I think my most successful Halloween costume was, you know, like how they have like the glasses, like the the plastic glasses. With the nose? Yeah. In this case, it was glasses with like a elephant trunk. Very good. So we were going to like a, a party and like I found out after we left the house that you had to have a costume to get in. Mm-hmm. And so I got the cheapest thing in the 7-Eleven, I think it was. Nice. And everybody loved it. Yeah. I said I had the best costume in the whole party. Simple. So. To the exactly. point. You know. Exactly. No one yeah. else is going to have it. I wasn't trying too hard. Very nice. Yeah. I love that answer. So, so I recommend it. Sometimes less is more. Yes. Agreed. One thing I think we should mention is this is like a, a tension that I always have. So many horror movies and stories are based around mental illness. And, you know, it's, it's it's troubling for me because I think it really does add to the stigma of mental illness. But at the same time, I also enjoy it, you know, as a theme. Yeah. So so it, it, it's something that's difficult for me to reconcile. But I just want to, you know, put that out there. You know, just as something to to recognize that people with mental illness have often been vilified in horror films. And it's something that, you know, we as a society, I think, still struggle with. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. It's such a great thing to bring up. And I think it, it leads to kind of another point, which is that time and time again, this has been studied closely. Just because you have a mental illness does not mean that you are violent. Right. And there is no psychiatric diagnoses other than antisocial personality disorder, right. but there is no psychiatric diagnoses which inherently means that you may be more prone to violence than even then, I would say the vast majority of people with antisocial personality disorder are not serial killers exactly This was a fun uh, short one. I hope everyone has a happy and safe Halloween. you know, keep those masks Absolutely. on. Calories do not count on Halloween. Exactly. But they do on November first, so it's get a, rid of the candy. It's a cheat. October thirty first is a cheat day for everybody. Absolutely. All right. So until next time. Adios. Peace.